Hello and welcome to the Henna Hundle Show. Here on the Henna Hundle Show, we feature the world's foremost experts for groundbreaking discussion within their respective fields, spanning medicine, science, technology, business, politics, policy, law, and more. Join me, your host, Henna Hundle, on a mission to unpack and understand how contemporary high-impact issues are being tackled by the world's most influential leaders. For today's episode, I'm honored to say that I had the opportunity to sit down with our esteemed guest, Bill Gates. Bill Gates is the co-founder of the Microsoft Corporation and the co-founder of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the world's largest private foundation with the mission of decreasing inequities with regard to education and healthcare and promoting global development and growth. Each year, Bill and Melinda Gates released an annual letter reflecting on their humanitarian work of the past year and offering insight into where they'll be directing their energy and efforts for the upcoming year. The 2019 annual letter, titled We Didn't See This Coming, is available in full on www.gatesletter.com and describes nine things that most surprised Bill and Melinda this year. I'm honored now to share part one of the conversation between Bill and I about these surprises and the contents of the 2019 annual letter. I want to begin by talking about your commitment to global health. It's something you touched a lot on in the letter, and you've been very vocal about it, too. You wrote in the letter that right now it's, quote, a crucial time in global health. And you call on governments in 2019 to put funding toward global health initiatives. And I wonder if you can elaborate on why right now in particular, this moment you believe is such a critical juncture for global health. Well, the amazing thing is that big commitments were made starting about 20 years ago, mm-hmm. both to say that HIV medicine should get out to everyone in the world uh, and you know getting the cost down to like $100 a year, and that vaccines that should get to all the children of the world. So Global Fund was created for HIV, Mm -hmm. uh, also works on malaria and tuberculosis. And Gavi is the acronym for the Global Alliance for Vaccines. It was created to get all the vaccines out uh, to even children Mm -hmm. in poor countries. Those two organizations um, have been very successful. it's about a hundred billion has been spent on global health. Mm-hmm. Our foundation is a bit more than ten billion of that, mm-hmm. but the rest of it is almost entirely from the seven or eight governments. The U.S. Okay. being uh, by far the biggest. Mm-hmm. You know, then you had have Germany and the U.K. Mm-hmm. Well, all those countries, you have a little bit of turning inwards. That mm-hmm. hey, do do we really care about alliances or? Right. Other countries have the elites who care about these things taken resources that maybe should be kept domestically. Mm-hmm. And so people are questioning it, and in particular if they hear a story that maybe some part of it didn't get used effectively, which uh, it's a very small percentage, but you know mm-hmm. that, that can happen. And so in the face of all that, uh, a little bit of cynicism, mm-hmm. a little bit of questioning of priorities. Right saying to people, hey, we've been super, super successful, mm-hmm. honestly, that you know, these numbers are incredible in terms of lives saved, right. and we need to keep doing that. If we back off now, the epidemic will really get bad because the mm-hmm. susceptible age ranges in Africa, you have so much population mm-hmm. growth right. uh, that it, it could really spread back. And HIV is a tough one because 
if you if you're going in the and you have stock out, so the medicine isn't mm -hmm. there, or you have long lines, so people miss some doses. If they miss even twenty percent of their doses, mm -hmm. it's as though they're not taking they're, medicine uh, at yeah. all. Yeah. Uh, so to get the benefit, you need pretty high compliance. Right. And so we're trying to rise above <laughs> the noise level, yeah. the the polarization, and say, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's humanitarian instinct, you know, religious moral beliefs. Uh, beliefs in security in the world, uh, belief, you know, that the U.S., uh, we want people to think uh, of us as being helpful, mm -hmm. and that these are very small percentage, mm -hmm. you know, way less than 1% of the budget. Right. So we're trying to get that word out, yeah. um, and we need not just the U.S., we need the U.K. that's got Brexit, mm -hmm. we've got France, we've Yellow vests. Yeah. Uh, we've got Germany, where uh, you know Merkel's sort of moving along, and the whole immigration thing has has created a lot right. of controversy. And so every country that we're going to, um, there's a little bit of uh, question about, gosh, you know, have we been doing the right things? Right, right. And to that point about the inward-looking parochial protectionism, you know, the cries of country first. I think that's a really important point in the current political context and rhetoric, because I think it can be challenging for the everyman to fathom how putting funding toward fighting an HIV outbreak half a world away could ever have ripple effects that could impact his own way of life for the better. So I wonder how you grapple with and appreciate this idea of a shared humanity. Why is all of our well-being connected? Well, for me, the idea of innovation you know, for those most in need uh, is what I, you know, saw such an opportunity for as I shifted away uh, from my full-time work at, at yeah. Microsoft. Making that case is easiest if people can go and see it on the ground. You know, now that's not practical. We can't take all the U.S. voters and have them go, right. you know, see malaria bed nets, see HIV medicine at work. Mm -hmm. The more people we can get over there and have them come back and bear witness mm -hmm. that, yes, you know, this is real, it touched me, right. um, the better. And then, you know, there's additional arguments about mm -hmm. the, the military, uh, including General Mattis saying mm -hmm. this helps with stability in these countries. And... Mm. The U.S. spends 20 times as much on our defense budget as our aid budget. Uh, right, we have right. a particularly large defense budget, I mean, by far the biggest in the world. The world. Yeah. Our aid budget um, is, in absolute, slightly bigger mm -hmm. than Germany's, but you know, only about 20% bigger. So mm -hmm. the, as a percentage of, say, their economy, mm -hmm. they're like uh, three times mm -hmm. what we are. The, the image that should everybody get HIV medicine uh, or should it be a death sentence if you're born in the wrong country, that definitely has some appeal. Uh, the idea of helping these countries uh, lift themselves up so that they don't need aid in the future, mm -hmm. which in many Asia countries like Vietnam or Indonesia or India, now they're, they're getting their income up so they're graduating so right. they don't, they just use their own resources mm -hmm. uh, uh, and we can take our eight dollars and 
have more on the really tough countries, which mm -hmm. some of the uh, parts of Africa will be very, very tough. You know, we're always looking for creative ways to bring this message home and to make right. sure that the cynicism, uh, you know, that we have enough facts uh, to overcome that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we'll succeed. I will say the Congress, uh, when the the president proposed cutting this aid money pretty right. substantially, which would have led to more than 5 million additional deaths from HIV. Mm -hmm. It was very bipartisan. It wasn't even a close thing. The Republicans mm -hmm. said, no, we, and the Democrats, that we don't stand for, uh, you know, cutting these things. We are, are committed to see mm -hmm. the HIV crisis through yeah. until uh, we can get rid of it. In terms of your global health investment, you've put a lot of support behind three institutions in particular, the Global Fund, Gavi, as you mentioned, and the Vaccine Alliance. And I wonder what kind of is the rubric or criteria that you use to decide what to fund in global health? Well, our basic criteria is that we can save lives for less than $1,000 per life saved. And so it's got to be something that's amazingly effective. Gotcha. Um, when we first came into it, we thought we'd mostly fund the R&D side where you're creating a new tool. Mm -hmm. And so we thought this is very exciting. We can help create a malaria vaccine, a TB vaccine, an HIV vaccine, which the world does not yet have. Right. Then we saw that there were actually vaccines that had already been invented that weren't getting mm -hmm. out uh, mm -hmm. to the, the kids who needed them. Mm -hmm. And so until that delivery problem mm -hmm. was addressed, the motivation to create new ones was pretty limited. Um, right. And so there was a, a diarrheal vaccine called rotavirus and a, a pneumonia vaccine called pneumococcus. Mm -hmm. And that's where Gavi came in and uh, mm -hmm. got a super cheap price and then was able to buy on behalf of the poor countries. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we have quite, quite good coverage, even in very tough places, for those two new vaccines. And that's mm -hmm. the main reason why childhood deaths which back in 1990 were 12 million a year, now are under 6 million a year. And so it's, you know, pretty successful. And it's clear that whenever we invent new vaccines, then Gavi right. will be there mm -hmm. uh, to negotiate a sort of cost-based price and, and mm -hmm. get them out. Uh, and so that's, you know, meant that all that upstream R&D work we're doing will pay off mm -hmm. uh, in a big way, you won't have to wait decades uh, for it to get delivered. Very relatedly, you wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal earlier this year talking about your work in global health investment, and you called it the best investment you ever made. And you illustrated kind of the detrimental domino effect of pulling foreign aid from these programs. And you cited in particular the World Health Organization's Global Malaria Eradication Program, which was astonishingly effective when the U.S. was providing funding for it. But when that budget was cut, we saw malaria epidemics crop up around the world. What are you most worried about in terms of what could happen today if we cut funding to these three global health programs in particular? The clearest is, is HIV, where mm -hmm. because we don't have a cure, unlike TB or malaria, when you take the drugs, you get cured. Right. You can get reinfected, but uh, you uh, are completely healthy again, 
With HIV, the drugs, all they're doing is uh, keeping it from multiplying in mm -hmm. a way that will allow diseases to come and uh, kill you. And so if you stop taking the medicines, it's a, it's a death sentence. Right. And right. that one, you know, once you get in and you're helping people get those drugs, Mm -hmm. uh, until we have some type of cure construct, mm -hmm. morally, you're pretty, um, it's pretty clear that you should maintain that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not like you can say, okay, the U.S. economy is in such bad shape that, mm -hmm. you know, we can't afford that $100 uh, to buy that medicine, mm -hmm. you know, or that, you know, buying another tank will do more good uh, <laughs> per dollar. Than, than that does. The same story is also true of the other diseases. Uh, for example, the bed nets that we got out that mm -hmm. let us cut the malarial deaths from a million a year to down to a half million. Unfortunately, now the mosquitoes have uh, evolved mm -hmm. to resist the particular pesticide called pyrethroid that's on those nets. Mm -hmm. And so we need to, to get a new generation of nets out there. Mm -hmm. And so that those current nets are not working. And so for the last two years, malaria cases and deaths have actually been flat mm -hmm. in a few countries slightly up. So if you, if you stand still, the disease will get out ahead of you and your old tools mm -hmm. won't work anymore. And that was part one of my interview with Bill Gates co-founder of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, discussing the contents of the 2019 annual letter penned by himself and Melinda Gates. Be sure to check out www.gatesletter.com to read the letter in full. Again, that's www.gatesletter.com. You have been listening to The Henna Hundle Show. I'm your host, Henna Hundle, and I thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.